your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle set to the top of the pattern. Now Spielman in motion to the near side. Rolling right is McCaffrey. Throws it toward the end zone. Wide open is Noah. Makes a catch. And it is a touchdown. Nebraska. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Nate Rohr. Well, the playoff is set. What do you think? Those four are the... Absolute slam dunks after what happened over the weekend. Kind of an elimination weekend for college football. Utah played themselves out. Georgia obviously played themselves out of it. Oklahoma played themselves in by beating Bader and gets that four seed of the college football playoff. Welcome to another week of Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. Glad you have dialed us up here on a Monday night. Hope you had a good weekend. Got all your Christmas shopping done? Not yet, no. No? No, Come not on, even close. Come on, good weather. You get a great chance to yeah. no ice to go through or snow. No, we, we like to live dangerously at the uh, Roar <laughs> household. Well, what is it? It is December the 9th or whatever. You got plenty. You got two weeks. Yeah, we'll, we'll be fine. There will be presents under the tree if Bobby is listening. He probably has no idea He's, what's going no. on. No, but... What are you getting, Bobby? Can you tell us? Just us? Uh, yeah, you know, probably going to be some clothes. Come on, that's boring. Give him something good to play he, with. He's got enough toys, like we, icebreaker or something. <laughs> something sharp. <laughs> Some power tools, baby. Is that what you're wanting, Greg? Well, no, that game, the icebreaker. <laughs> oh, you know, okay. you tap the little thing and the little. Do you make that anymore? I don't even. I don't think so. That sounds sounds dangerous for a delicate child like oh, Bobby. A little, get a little hammer thing out, hit the ice out. There you go. That'd be fun for him. Yeah, I mean, he's a boy. He's got to have something to make some noise with. Well, yeah, but he's already got that. And you know what? He can sure improvise that just fine. The so. beautiful thing about, like, aunts and uncles is they buy the noisy stuff. You know, oh, yeah. The things that make a lot of noise to drive parents crazy. Yeah. And I, you're like, yeah, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. I got to live with this thing. You're going back four hours and yeah. you're never going to see this thing again oh uh, yeah two weeks yet more than two weeks left for that christmas shopping but a great weekend to get out and do some of that uh here's what we have coming up on the program tonight mondays with matt matt davison will make an appearance we've had a hard time squeezing matt in over the last five six weeks because of all of our basketball stuff but we did uh, find some spot for matt tonight we'll get his take on the end of the football season and his thoughts about Husker football recruiting as it moves forward. Our second hour is our men's basketball show. We'll have not one but two coaches with us tonight. Fred Hoiberg out doing some recruiting, but he's going to join us for the first segment of the show. And then in studio, Armand Gates will be here to take your phone calls, comments, and questions. Third hour of the show, we'll have our weekend rewind. Nate has been so busy the last three or four hours putting that together. Did you find anything to talk about in the rewind? You know, we had to go to some uh, uh, Middle Eastern highlight. We, we had to <laughs> no, go to some did. Bundesliga. No, you uh, didn't. We have as many as four soccer highlights. No, so you I don't. hope Brett is uh, No, no, you do not have any soccer no. in there at all. No, that, that's more accurate. <laughs> All right, so the Rewind coming up in hour number three, and we'll talk some college football with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com also in the third hour of the program. And as always, phone lines are open for you at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Let's start with the playoff. You good with the four? Absolutely. I think the way this weekend played out uh, – made it very, very easy for the committee. Had Utah won on Friday night. I still think Oklahoma gets in, but mm. I, I think the committee has a whole lot to think about 
but the fact that Utah lost, that tapped them out. You couldn't put Georgia in. And if you were even tempted, if you were Paul Feinbaum brainwashed, you just watched 12 hours of Paul Feinbaum tapes, Georgia got blown off the field by LSU. There is no case to put them in. Why did the Mullins, the head of the committee, say it was tight between Georgia and Oklahoma? What? Yeah. Why? Uh, if anything, that discredits the committee no a little bit because, I mean, you're sitting there and, and Georgia just got trekked off the field. They LSU was a measure better than, than, than Georgia. They had no case to get in. I would have been supremely disappointed if Oklahoma had lost. I mean, surely Baylor would have been that next team. I don't know, but from the way Mullins was talking – he made it sound like Georgia would have gotten in, and that would have been wrong. That would have been grossly wrong. They lost to a 4-8 team at home. Right. And, and then they get just run off the field by LSU. Didn't belong. Yeah. Didn't belong. Just just got owned. Like, they they clearly didn't belong on the – you know, even in the conversation, really. To me, I, you know, I'm not a playoff expansion guy. I'm fine with it at right. four. To me, the playoff started Saturday and, or Friday. They started Friday yeah. because Utah had a chance, got eliminated. Boom, you're out. You can't mm -hmm. beat Oregon, you're out. You're out. Saturday, Bader, you and Oklahoma are playing for a spot. Boom. Loser out, winner goes. And Georgia, you got to play at least tight to give yourself a chance. They didn't. You're out. Right. And, and the beauty of it was it's or this year it's all conference champions. I don't think Correct. that should be a requirement. But, boy, if you're, if you're getting in as an at-large – You'd better have an airtight resume, and nobody who didn't win a conference championship did. So uh, I, I think it was a pretty easy year for the committee. Yeah. I think I, I think circumstance helped them out quite a bit. But uh, yeah, this this year set up so perfectly for a four team playoff because really I think most people think it's three teams and we had to get to four like and Oklahoma was a pretty clear four they I mean were. They were. it's not even like you had to pick between three different teams it was three teams who legitimately deserve a national championship shot and because you have to get to four, Oklahoma was number four. And then you got a step, and then you've got five, six, and seven. Teddy Greenstein had a great tweet today. Did you see it? He mm. said, I'm open-minded about an eight-team playoff, five conference champs, group of five champion, two at-larges. But he said, how about trying to choose between Georgia, Baylor, Wisconsin, Florida, Penn State, Utah for the last two spots? Or throw Bama in there in Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. How are you going to pick? Good luck. How are you going to pick? No, that's tough. And, and then you've got to tack three more games onto the season and, you know, for whomever goes to the final instead of just two. I, you've got to. It's, it's messier with eight than it is with four. Absolutely. I, I, I guarantee you'd be messier with eight. And, and it's just so tough to get a fan base. You think of a team that goes to a conference championship game, especially if it's some distance. And we saw this a little bit at the SEC game where that was basically a Georgia home game because LSU fans were going, we're going to be in the playoff. We need to save our money for at least one long trip, if not two. So now you're talking about you got to make. The trip to Indi you know, let's say someday Nebraska's in the mix there. You gotta go to Indianapolis. 
to, for the conference title game, and then you got to go to Phoenix for the first round game, and then you got to go to you know Tampa for the second round game, and you got to go to New Orleans for the third round game. You're going to run out of money. You're going to run out of fans, and that's going to be a crummy atmosphere. And you know, college football is so predicated on atmosphere and and, and a great game day environment. You know, you don't want a corporate Super Bowl crowd at a college football championship. You lose it all. You lose a lot of the atmosphere. Absolutely. All right. So you're okay with the four? Yes. How about the one and two? I can live with it. Uh, and in the end, I feel like LSU was just a tiny little bit better. And their final statement was what really put them over the top because what they did in the regular season was very good. But I think pretty comparable to what Ohio State did and playing in a hostile environment and if we're going to take the committee at face value and take their rankings at face value LSU dominated the number five team in a fairly hostile environment whereas Ohio State you know their fans pretty well overran the stadium in Indy they played a Wisconsin team they trailed 21-7 at half they were in some trouble to the number eight team by the playoff rankings so to me, LSU had greater control of their championship game by a, by a pretty wide margin, and the resumes were pretty comparable. I'm fine with LSU. I could make a case for Ohio State, but LSU's last statement was, was so compelling that it's tough to argue with them as one. See, I almost think the difference between the two is going back to September. Who did you play in the mm. non-league? LSU goes to Austin and wins at Texas. Ohio State played three teams at home. Mm -hmm. The best of the bunch was Cincinnati, who didn't really give them much of a game. And I think Cincinnati is a nice, good college football team, but not that's different than going to Austin and having to beat sure. Texas early in the season. And that helped LSU's case, too. Yeah. The idea that they were the rare SEC team that was willing to challenge themselves in the non-conference. They, they took a swing in non-con, and yeah. they beat, a, beat Texas on, on the road. I mean, hey, let's not poo-poo Cincinnati too much. Uh, no, that's no. A, that's a, that's a very good program, but – the challenge is greater to go to Austin than to play Cincinnati in your own building. Uh, we're going to see those Bearcats here next exactly, September. Exactly, exactly. All right, Husker Hoops. Um, wow, what a tough Saturday it was for them. Probably predictable in a lot of ways. I mean, that Creighton team uh, took it on the chin at PBA a year ago. A lot of those guys are back, and Bollock and Alexander, uh, Mitchell, those guys all played in the game at PBA a year ago. So they have been stewing on that for 12 months. This all-new Nebraska team had no clue what they were walking into Saturday, and the results showed with that game being over by about the 10-minute mark of the first half. You talk about that game being predictable just on the two rosters. Think of the history of that series, especially lately. The games down here in Lincoln have been fairly competitive, but it always seems like Creighton comes out hitting everything to begin the games up there at the at the uh, CHI Health Center and, and they did so again on Saturday and you think about it for Nebraska first time in an actually hostile environment because where they played at Georgia Tech you know earlier in the week was a library with a scoreboard that was not a tough place to play uh, Creighton was loaded for bear as you mentioned after Nebraska beat him down here this year uh, the Huskers just kind of out of sorts not able to hit any shots especially early Creighton doing what they do at home early in in this series or early in games in this series 
it was going to be a big ask for Nebraska. And Creighton left no doubt. Give them credit. They came out hot. They buried the Huskers early, and they cruised in from there. Sure did. Creighton now 7-2 and two after the win there. And for Nebraska, boy, didn't, this is a – and we've talked about it for several weeks. What a tough, tough four-game stretch they're in the middle of. You go on the road for the ACC Challenge game at Georgia Tech, a team you can hang with, and they did. Nebraska hung mm-hmm. with them for a good chunk of that game, but but doesn't come out on top. Go to Creighton. Now go to Indiana on Friday night. I mean, this, this is a – and then come home to finish that four-game stretch with Purdue at PBA. Yeah, it's really throwing this team that's young, that's that's trying to gel, and, and that that is going through some growing pains. You think you think of the Samari Curtis yeah. departure, you know, and, and this team trying to, to hook in with each other, and they got to do all that on the road against good competition. It, it, it's a tough stretch for this team, and, and some guys are finding out about where they are and, and who they are before Christmas, which – it, it, you know, that it's going to be a long break for these guys, yeah, I think. It, it is. Nebraska with the Curtis departure. That happened on Friday, by the way. That leaves Nebraska with eight eligible scholarship players for the rest of the year because you have the three that are sitting out mm-hmm. that have to sit out per NCAA rules. And now with Curtis leaving, you're down to eight scholarship guys to finish this thing out. It, it's it's going to be it's going to be a really bumpy couple of months. It's a ton of growing pains. You know, we we have – I think we've almost exhausted the store of Nebraska fan patience. But, you know, I, I think fans are going to stay behind Fred Hoiberg and stay behind oh, this yeah. program. But it, it, it's – it could be a rough year. It could be a tough time for this team to settle in with the limited depth that they have, with with the pieces still trying to find a way to fit together. It's going to be tough in Big Ten conference play, and some guys are going to get some hard lessons, I think. I, 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 a rope only played a couple of minutes, but he had four rebounds. I, I hope he plays a little bit more. Sure. Looks like he had a nose for going and grabbing the, foot, uh, grabbing the rebounds for this team. So And, and heaven knows they need it. No doubt. I mean – so it was a tough day, kind of thought it was going to be, and it certainly ended up being that way. And now Nebraska gets ready for Indiana on Friday in their conference opener. Armand Gates will be here next hour. We'll also hear from Fred Hoiberg also in hour number two. Greg Sharp, Nate Roar with you here on a Monday night of Sports Island here on the Husker Sports Network. And we've broken pattern for a few weeks without having Matt Davis in a part of our Monday show, but we get back into it tonight. Time now for the Weekly Breakdown. What a memorable first game at home in the Big Ten Conference. With color analyst and former national champion. All the games played for this historic program. All the great rushing days that we've seen over the years and way beyond my lifetime. And we've seen the best one here today against the top ten team. It's Mondays with Matt Davison on Sports Nightly. Well, it's been a little while. We've had a lot of basketball conflicts on Monday. I haven't wanted to get Matt on to kind of recap the season. And, um, man, what a tough way to end it. Back-to-back years, basically the final play of the game, field goals to end it. Those are hard, and it now makes for a long offseason, doesn't it? Yeah, you never want to have your season end in November, that's for sure. And it's a tough way to end it again against Iowa on a last-second field goal. Um, I was proud of the guys, obviously, for how they came back. And, they played really hard against Iowa, and it would have been nice to give our fans a, a win to end the season and get us to a bowl game and all those things that came along with it. We came up short. It's kind of been a theme, unfortunately, over the last couple of years. Too many close losses, too many one-possession losses, too many times where we had a chance and didn't quite get it done. And 
And so now we have to rally. You know, all you can do is, is work harder and try to get more prepared than ever to head into next season. And it really starts now. Our guys are lifting this week and part of next week before they head home for Christmas. And, and then they have to come back in January and, and get after it and get their bodies ready to go for spring ball and then, then into the summer. So even though there's no bowl game, you, you still have to do all the things you can do to try to get yourself mentally and physically ready to, to go into the off season. Issues at special teams certainly were a problem during the 2019 season. How much is a lack of depth factoring into that in your eyes? I don't think there's a question that that, that has something to do with it. Um, I know our guys are working hard to, to make plays on special teams. Um, we, we don't have a lot of offensive players right now that are playing special teams, so that kind of hurts the depth. And so it forces us to, to play most of our defensive guys on special teams. And and so there's no question once we get more depth in the program, more guys that can run down and make plays, it'll, it'll hopefully shore things up in that area a little bit. Um, there were times it was glaring uh, in special teams, times it was glaring on defense, times it was glaring on offense that, that we had issues. So, uh, unfortunately, there were we kind of took turns with uh, with uh, not playing well at certain times, and that was one of the areas for sure. I've had I've been asked, I'm sure you have too, in the last two weeks, just about the quarterback position. I really like the room. I like the depth in that room. Uh, do you envision an open quarterback competition in the spring with, with uh, Adrian, Noah, and Luke getting after it? I think uh, it's going to be a competition at every position. I mean, you, you look at it, and, and a lot of guys are established, but that doesn't mean that they don't have to work hard and go out and earn their spot every every chance they, they get to go on the practice field. And I think that's how Coach Frost and the staff are going to approach it. Um, we have a great group of quarterbacks in the program. We're going to um, head into the spring with a great competition at that position and, and on both sides of the ball at every position. I think as the program matures and as we get more players in here, we'll have more competition uh, every single day. I know, um, you know, I hate to say back when I played, but, you know, when I played, I'll tell you, it was every day I knew I better show up and, and work hard or there was going to be somebody there to take my spot. So I don't think it's any different at quarterback than anywhere else, but um, obviously the quarterback position just gets more attention than, than a lot of positions. It's Matt Davison, our Mondays with Matt segment here on Sports Nightly. The postseason awards came out from the conference last weekend. A handful of guys get honorable mention, but a couple of guys who made a couple of the teams, Khalil Davis and Lamar Jackson, two seniors, and in particular in Lamar's case, a guy that made great progress over the last 12 months. Your thoughts about those two and those two making, I think one was second team, one was third team all-conference. You said Lamar, and who was the other one? Khalil, Khalil Davis. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, look, we had a bunch of guys that, that got a lot better over the last year or two, and those two guys stick out as much as, much as anybody else. Uh, Lamar Jackson turned his career around at Nebraska. Um, nobody worked harder than him. Really proud of him. You know, he he. Uh, you think about the middle of last season and some of the some of the things that he was going through, and to think that he was going to have the off season that he had and then have the season that he had. Um, I'm just really proud of him. He's uh, he's a great player. Um, set the tone in the weight room. Did did a lot of great things to help change the the tone in that room as a as a defensive backs room. And then Khalil, uh, just his athleticism up front, uh, as big and strong as he is, and then to have the athleticism that he has, 
um, the sacks and tackles for loss he was able to accumulate throughout the year. Um, you know, those two guys really stick out on defense. They, they're deserving of any awards they get. And, and there were other guys, too, that they received the awards that were deserving as well. We just need more guys like that. You know, we need more guys that are that are capable of getting all-conference honors, and, and we have to coach them up better and play better and, and hopefully get this thing uh, back to a place where we're going to bowl games and, and uh, winning consistently. Okay, we're nine days away from the, the early signing period. What What's the buzz around the office? And, and give me just kind of a feel of what the coaches felt like last week when they were out and about. Well, everybody's excited to try to sign a great class, no question about it. It's an exciting time of year to try to add great players to your program. Everybody's trying to do the same thing. All coaches around the country are going into high schools and going into homes and trying to see these kids, and we're doing the same thing. Um, we're trying to add guys that we think fit the culture here and and fit the, the scheme on both sides of the ball. So uh, we think we have a, a good – um, start to this class, and we have one more week to go to try to get more guys firmed up and get as many signed as we can in December and and also work on next year. It's, it's, a, it's a cycle just turns over, and now you're working on next year as well. So um, everybody knows you have to recruit hard, and I think we're going to put together a really, really good class on the 18th of December. Very good. Well, I saw a couple of coaches were out pheasant hunting yesterday. I didn't see you. Are you not? You yeah, I couldn't now? make that trip. Yeah, you know, there's these rules and regulations around everything. I trust me, I asked if I could make the trip, and uh, I was not allowed to go um, based on those rules and regulations. So otherwise, I would have been there. I'm sure they 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 killed plenty, but um, <laughs> they would have had a higher percentage had I been there. Very good. All right. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Uh, we'll leave you alone for a while. We'll catch up with you after the first of the year. Merry Christmas to everyone out there. Thanks, Greg. There he is, Matt Davison, joining us on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. How about that picture of those guys up there hunting South Dakota yesterday? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it had to be a nice, you know, always good to ma- to uh, mix business with pleasure, and the boys were able to do that yesterday as, on a recruiting visit. So good for them. I'm sure it was nice for them to get out and shoot at some birds. Hanging out with a polar bear. Yeah. That's <laughs> a polar bear trying to feed him, apparently. <laughs> man, some of his wrestling videos are pretty he, impressive. <laughs> he, he's an impressive young man. Hey, <laughs> if he wants to go hunting, if he wants to grab fish, you know, <laughs> through the frozen lake – the coaches should probably do that because he's he's an exciting prospect, no doubt. Speaking of wrestling, congrats to Mark Manning and the mm-hmm. Husker Grabblers. They go out to the Cliff Keen Invitational out in Vegas over the weekend. They won the team title. That's pretty awesome. Currently number two in the national rankings. Impressive. Ooh. Mark Manning is, you know, he's quietly put together a solid tenure at this school. Sure they're, has. They're a top ten team basically every year, but this might be. The best team he's had here at Nebraska. Great guy, too. I, oh, yeah. Congrats to Isaiah White, won the 165 title out in Las Vegas. That's a team you want to maybe find their schedule and get out and see a match or two out at the Devaney Center in the coming months. It's going to be a fun year. they got some great Big Ten duels coming up in the month of January as well. 
tonight. It's the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show right here on the Husker Sports Network. In the right corner, quick shot, deep right corner. Cam Mack misses, rebound off the miss. Cheatham, pump fake, puts it up and in. Good offensive board by Cheatham, working hard. An inside look at what's going on around Nebraska basketball. Mack down the floor on the drive, the kick to Kavas. Kavas manhandled, no call, double team, kicks it out to Bjarnason. Left side to Mack, deep left corner, Green puts it up, got it. Three ball, Gervais Green, and just like that, Nebraska with a five to nothing run, takes the one point lead. Tonight, assistant coach, Armin Gates. In transition, the three, Parham not good. Wade Raogo, good block out, loose on the floor, it's out of bounds off Georgia Tech. The flip and bounced on the save. With it is Nebraska, Cam Mack, backdoor, cut door, Bjarnason got it, backdoor. Used the left side of the rim. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at your Midwest Ford dealers. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Basketball Radio Show, Greg Sharp. And welcome to our Nebraska Basketball Show for the week. We're going to have not one but two guests with us tonight. The head coach is out doing some recruiting tonight, so we needed to uh, catch him before he left Lincoln. And then Coach Gates is going to be in the studio the rest of the hour to take some phone calls, comments, and questions. The Huskers coming off back-to-back road games last week, playing in the midweek in Atlanta against Georgia Tech, and then taking on the Creighton Blue Jays on Saturday up at the CHI Center. Two road environments, totally different. It was a little bit sleepy in Atlanta, but uh, you, you ran into a raucous crowd on Saturday. Yeah, we did. Uh, you know, starting with the Atlanta game uh, against Georgia Tech, uh, you, you know, we actually had a really good fan base down there. I thought we had almost probably 40% uh, of the fans that were in attendance. And, uh, you know, I thought we came out, uh, got off to a good start as far as getting out in transition and, and scoring some baskets. We faced a zone uh, defense, a uh, very unique zone. It's kind of a 1-3-1, morphs back into a 2-3, very similar to the zone that Baylor used to play in the Big 12 when I was coaching uh, at Iowa State. And, you know, I didn't think our ball movement was real crisp in that first half. I thought second half we did a really good job of attacking their zone. We just could not convert uh, at the rim. We got to the restricted area 16 times and only converted two of those. Uh, And then to show how aggressive we were playing, we got to the free throw line 18 times and unfortunately only made eight uh, of those. So, you know, our uh, aggressiveness, I really liked it in the second half. First half, we just had zero free throws, so that just shows you the mentality that we had uh, after halftime as far as attacking the basket, creating opportunities. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, we just didn't convert uh, and couldn't put the ball in the basket, and they ended up pulling away at the end. So, uh, you know, it really was the first true road test, but the real true, you know, first environment that we faced uh, was the Creighton game, and, you know, we just did not come out uh, with the right mentality, and they threw the first punch, and they kept throwing, and before you knew it, we were down 30. Uh, you know, our, uh, we were very stagnant uh, on the offensive end, and what that created was very poor uh, shot selection, and when you have that, you know, that gets the other team out uh, in transition. We took some rushed ones. Uh, we took some bad step backs. Uh, we just had zero attack uh, to the basket to try to uh, cause help and, and be able to spray out and create open shots. And then they got playing downhill. They were confident. Uh, we started chasing rebounds, which was, which we can't, which you can't do uh, against a Creighton team, especially as fast as they are and how well they convert from the three-point line in transition. And they had all the confidence in the world, and we didn't have any. And you know, like I said, you, you dig yourself such a huge hole. Uh, second half, we had a great offensive half. You go from scoring 22 points. Uh, in the first, this one 54 in the second. We were attacking the rim. I thought uh, we were getting into our sets. Uh, we had good movement, 
and uh, again, I thought our guys uh, did a good job of going out there and continuing to play. And uh, you know, unfortunately, we were trading baskets uh, with them, and you know, I think we cut it to 17 at one point, and then we had a chance to cut it further. But uh, you know, Burke had a turnover actually dribbled it off the ref. Uh, you know, and we could have cut that thing down even a little bit further. But um, you know, it's it's certainly throughout this course of the season, Greg, like we've talked about all along. You know, all this is learning opportunities uh, for a group. Uh, responded with a really good practice uh, today. We're going to need a couple more, obviously, going into this weekend where we start Big Ten play against Indiana. Uh, then our first home game against Purdue, first home game in over a month, I think. So, you know, just got to learn from it and hopefully be better the next time out. You used three of your timeouts in the first half. I know that's a couple of – you want to try to stop their momentum a little bit. But what were you trying to impose upon your guys? What were you, What was the message you were trying to get across in those huddles? Well, the, you know, I called back-to-back timeouts and the disappointment of, you know, everything that we talked about going into that game as far as getting back. And, you know, I told them, I said, you know, we're, hey, it is what it is. We're down 20 right now. We're not going to get it all back in one possession. And then we go and chase it and, and ended up having a bad possession, didn't get back in transition. They get a, uh, I believe it was a layup, it was either a layup or a three, and I called another one right away uh, to get him in there and, and try to get us organized as far as what we were trying to do in our defensive transition. It was just, again, the single most important thing going into that game was getting back, and we did a poor job of that. And I attribute a lot of that to the start uh, that we got off to, and then just, you know, again, trying to go in and get it and play out of character and, and uh, you know, again, when you get down 30 points on the first half, obviously uh, they're doing a lot of really good things. Got to give them credit, but we, uh, you know, we certainly, uh, you know, didn't make it easy on ourselves with uh, with what we were doing out there. You started Thor, and then were very complimentary of him after the game. What have you? What are you seeing from the junior? Well, I, 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 you know, Thor is one of those guys. He does everything right. The reason I had Thor in there, uh, you know, Cam was he was one minute late, and uh, you know that's a rule. It's one of the most important rules. I remember, you know, when I played for Larry Bird in Indiana, uh, I played Larry Brown my first two years. Larry Bird came in, and I'll always remember. Uh, what he said in that very first team meeting, he said, guys, I played 13 years in this league. I was never late uh, one time for anything, any appointment, uh, any bus, any shoot around, uh, any game time. And, you know, if you got a guy that's arguably top 10 player of all time uh, that can be on time, you know, then certainly we were all going to be on time. And, you know, that is the single most important rule that I have is being on time. He was one minute late. Uh, and, you know, the decision was easy to, to not start him. So I did start Thor. And, you know, the one thing that I've loved about Thor is just his approach, his daily approach. He's always uh, doing the right things. He's always in the gym getting extra work. Uh, you know, he worked really hard in his three-point shot uh, this summer after after we took over the job, and it's paying off for him. He was four for five the other day. He really got it going uh, in practice today. He's playing with a lot of confidence uh, defensively. You know he's never going to make a mistake as far as where he's supposed to be on the floor. Uh, he's going to take care of the basketball. So I just think he's been terrific, and he's been a stabilizing force for this team. You um... – you had have had problems really all season long of getting when you get the ball to the rim not finishing. Is it is it lack of confidence? Is it lack of focus? What are you seeing and why you're unable to finish plays near the rim? Well, some of them we're getting we're, we're, when we do attack we get off balance as we're trying to go. When you when you see it in film and we go back and watch them uh, and we watch individually with the player, uh, you see a lot of times any little bit of contact or you try to shy away from the contact and you get off balance in your body position. Uh, it gets going away from the basket, and you know a lot of times it's just taking our eyes off the rim. I mean, we miss some point, just point blank right there, and those are unexplainable. But you know, a lot of them as we attack 
uh, and split the defender and get into the paint. Uh, you know, there's times where we should kick the ball out. You know, you do your job, you, you collapse the defense, you have to kick it out and hopefully create an open look uh, from the three-point line when you when you have spacing on the backside. But, you know, a lot of times we're going in there and trying to shoot over, uh, you know, in the case at Georgia Tech, a shot blocker. Uh, but, you know, that's second half against Creighton, I thought we, we were terrific at the rim. We finished uh, most of the times where we were attacking, but we were going downhill. We were attacking uh, in north-south, not east-west, as far as when we were uh, trying to get to the rim. And, uh, you know, it, it is. It's just a concentration. We work on finishing drills every day. Uh, you know, we have a certain number of layups, transition, that we have to get in a, in a, in a short amount of time, and you have to go hard and full speed. We finish over pad uh, every day with Armand Gates down there, you know, knocking the guys over. So, you know, it, it's something that we work on a lot, and you know, hopefully, we'll see improvement as the season goes on because you have to be able to convert those, or we're going to have a chance to win. Heck of a heck of a rivalry for teams that aren't in the same league. You experienced the same thing at Iowa State when they would play Iowa, not in their same league with Creighton and Nebraska. A lot of the Creighton players have played in that game once, twice, maybe even three times. For your guys, really, nobody had been a part of that. How much did that factor into it, and how much can your group learn from how much you really have to prepare yourself mentally and physically? To be ready to go out of the gate in a game like that well it, it is it, you know it's a great rivalry and you know you, you see it from afar I was you know when I played in the rivalry the Iowa State Iowa I, I loved those games I you know I love playing on the road in those games I just you know I thought going in and having the opportunity uh you know to go out there and uh you know t- take it to uh you know a team that is you know got the entire state excited so uh you know i was very fortunate as a player i went three and one uh that one loss was a very painful loss my sophomore year i, I played very poorly i think i scored one point it was the lowest point total in my career i still remember it uh and then coaching it same thing i went four and one uh in that rivalry and you know there's four of the best uh, wins my coaching career so you know it is it's it's something that uh you know you look for those bragging rights in the state and you know the fact that they had played in it and we had i don't know if you can use that as an excuse greg but uh you know more than anything i think for our group is we were really playing in that hostile environment uh for the first time and we just did not handle it well uh from the from the get-go and you got to be ready as soon as that ball goes up in the air uh, we knew there was going to be energy with the team, and we knew there was going to be energy in the crowd. And, you know, you have to go out there and try to withstand that. You know, they went on a run on us and unfortunately went from 10 to 20 in a hurry as opposed to 10 down to 2 or 4. So, you know, it's just a it's a mindset. You have to get yourself prepared to go out there and play uh, on the road. I thought we had good preparation uh, going into it, uh, but we didn't handle it well, obviously. So, you know, hopefully we play uh, better at Indiana. It's going to be another great environment. They're playing very well. Uh, in the early part of the season, and you know, hopefully, we get off to a much better start. Yeah, I was going to say, from one hot box to the other, the Hoosiers—they opened conference play over the weekend, and they got—they took it on the chin, kind of one of their first road games as well at Wisconsin. What's your early scout showing you about the Hoosiers? Well, yeah, they, they, that was, and you know, they're nine and one now, so they—they've gotten off to a great start. They had a really good win in the ACC uh, Big Ten Challenge against Florida State, a big, strong, physical Florida State team. Uh, what I've seen out of Indiana, they really guard you, and they've got uh, really good physicality uh, at all positions. They've got big, strong wings that will really attack the glass. It's going to be a completely different game. Uh, you know, with Creighton, it was an up and down. You know, they're smaller. They play smaller lineups. 
Uh, and they're going to shoot a ton of threes. This team's going to try to beat you up a little bit and really craft the offensive glass. So, you know, it goes from, you know, the game plan against Creighton to getting back and, you know, try to locate shooters, which obviously we didn't do a very good job of, uh, to a game where we're going to have to try to match the physicality uh, of a big, strong team and try to keep them off the glass. Uh, and hopefully that'll get us out running in transition if we can take care of that. And we finally get to see you back at home against a pretty, pretty good opponent on Sunday against Purdue. Yeah, when you beat the defending national champs by 30, you know, a team that uh, has very limited possessions. I think Virginia had the, uh, you know, the slowest pace in the country last year, and that's hard to do, to be, you know, to, to beat a team that plays that style uh, by that amount, uh, and, and that was in the Big Ten ACC Challenge as well. So, ton of size, and, you know, obviously they've got skill and, and can shoot it uh, in their guard positions, but, you know, these are two big, strong physical teams. This is Big Ten basketball. It's what it is. Uh, we have to go out there and hopefully compete uh, at a high level, we're going to have to if we want a chance. All right, very good. Well, we appreciate you spending a little bit of your Monday night with us. You were not weren't scheduled to be a part of the program, but we're glad you you got a few minutes to go with us. We'll we'll have we'll have Coach Gates take us home the rest of the way. Yeah, you're in good hands. Thank you. There is head coach Fred Hoiberg with us on our Sports Nightly Hotline, brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. All right, phone lines open for you. Coach Gates will join me in the next segment, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. If you have some thoughts, questions, comments about Husker basketball, we'll talk to the coach coming up next. It's always different when you take teams out on the road for the first time of the year. You did it twice last week. Let me start with Georgia Tech because for the first 16, 18 minutes of that game, you're right there with those guys. Your thoughts about the way that game went for you? You know, I really thought our guys came out and competed. Um, you know, we had a couple breakdowns in the game plan that, that really cost us. Uh, we let their best player get get going, and I think that really hurt us in the long run. He was pretty good. I mean, he was a tough matchup. I know Hanif was on him a little bit, but he was a tough matchup. No, absolutely. That kid um, came in highly touted out of Mount Verde High School out in Florida, and um, you know what he's doing, what he's supposed to do with one of their starters out, you know, next man up mentality. Um, you know, one of my former teammates is actually on staff with them and that's what he mentioned to me after the game that 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 kid has a next game next man up mentality you know you look at that game Hanif Cheatham who played so well for you in the Caymans part of that all tournament team down there had 14 and 11 so a double double for him against Georgia Tech and I know you guys have been really pleased with the leadership and kind of the maturity he brings to the team on a daily basis absolutely Hanif's been through the fire you know he's been through the grind already starting off at Marquette playing for a head coach Steve Wojciechowski uh, a former Dukie and um, you know he's just bringing experience to the table especially for our younger guys Thor had 11 and 7 in that game, which then helped him get a start on Saturday against Creighton. And I asked Coach Hoiberg about him in the first segment of this show. He just, he's a guy, I think, as you guys as coaches, you trust that you know he's going to do what he's supposed to do when he's out there. No, absolutely. I'm so I'm so excited and happy about Thor's uh, development. You know, he really he really took the offseason, um, you know, seriously. He was always in the gym. He's the first one in the gym between he and Charlie Easley every morning for practice. Uh, but I'm, I'm very happy with the consistency that Thor's been playing with. You mentioned 
the morning practices. How is that? I mean, because that's that's new for you. Because last year, as part of the staff here, you you guys didn't practice in the morning. No question. You know what? It's, it's actually a, a really good deal uh, when you really look at it. You get that more. You get that practice done over with. If right. you need to hit the road to recruit, you get you still have almost a full day. Um, but but also you you, you kind of keep track of your guys, making sure that they get themselves in bed at a decent hour. So that's, you know, it's kind of a hindsight, you know, kind of deal where if they get the rest, we're going to have a productive practice. If not, it's going to be an up and down type deal. How's this been for you? I mean, you're you're the holdover guy from the previous staff. What's it been like for you? It's been amazing. It's been amazing, to be honest with you. Um, just cur- currently with this current staff, you know, three former head coaches that I get to get to work with and, and, and rub elbows with every single day. So for me, it's 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 honestly just selfishly speaking, it's the best thing, you know, for me at the moment, you know, just. And, and Doc has really taken me under his wing, and Hoyberg gives me a ton of freedom. Um, you know, and to be honest, I like it. I like it a lot. Good. Well, it's good to see, still have you as a part of this thing, and I know the fans were really excited to hear that you were going to stay a part of this staff. Sometimes that's done just because of holdover guys. That wasn't the case here. I mean, other than Deshaun and Thor, I mean, this is a all-new group. <laughs> right? You know what? No question. And I think that's where everyone forgets, um, you know, what we have and what we're working with right now. And, and, and if it was easy, anybody would do it. And, again, I think we have the, the right coaching staff and the right people involved in our corner uh, to get this thing done. But it's going to take time with so many new faces, you know. And part of that is – it's trust, you know, you have to trust each other. And if the short amount of time, even if you throw the Italy trip in there, we were still without our, one of our leading scorers, Cam Mack, and one of our top producers in Cam Mack, and also Ivan, um, our big man, he wasn't he wasn't there and he's young, you know, so that would have been awesome for him. But we're still we're still kind of, you know, playing with playing chess, you know, with our yeah. guys, you know, they're figuring us out. We're figuring them out. How tell me, coach, how has your role changed what what are the differences from what you were doing a year ago to what coach Hoiberg and this group has you doing now you you know what to be honest uh, it has not changed dramatically um I still bring a ton of energy um I, I kind of I kind of take that disciplinarian role with the guys you know because they you know relate to me and I relate to them extremely well um I think it's just the aspect of me just having a you know closing my mouth a little bit and listening more you know gaining that experience from those three former three head coaches that I talked about that's a great point because everybody's like three well you have Fred Doc and then Bobby Lutz who's certainly been around the long time career at Charlotte as the head coach uh that guy's he knows probably everybody in the country it is unbelievable the amount of stories that I hear every day you know it's something that I gain every single day either it's a story from Doc's past or it's a story from uh coach Lutz teams at Pfeiffer when he first started or or to his his time at Charlotte when he was in that conference USA with Bobby Huggins and and you know um um Tom Crean when he was mm-hmm. at Marquette at the time so it, it again I'm gaining a ton of knowledge and it's 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 remarkable how is it when you're out talking to recruits prospective student athletes to be able to go and say come play for Fred Hoiberg guy who's coached in the NBA it's very easy. It, it, again, it speaks for itself. You know, you get someone 
that's been to the level that all these student athletes are trying to reach. And if they if they really can trust the process and see how we give our guys freedom and how Fred wants to score the basketball, um, it's pretty easy. It's an easy sale, you know, and that's all we do. We just throw Hoiberg's name out there, Chicago Bulls, his success at Iowa State. And it, it again, it speaks for itself. So he's the right guy to get this thing done. Yeah, no doubt. All right, Armand Gates with us here. The phone numbers, if you want to be a part of this, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. From one Greg to another, Greg in Grand Island. You're up with Coach Gates. Hey, Coach Gates. Thanks for taking my call. I'm definitely one of the longtime Husker basketball fans. It's really, really happy that you agreed to stay on, and I hope you'll – I'm sure you're going to be getting a lot of offers, but I hope you agree to stay for a couple more years. I think you're a huge part of the program. Uh, just a couple things real quick. My main one was I'm curious about what you, t- you specifically told the guys uh, about the Creighton game and going into that um, on Saturday and, and how big of a Hornets nest it was going to be. And did they, do you think they maybe didn't believe you or not, nah, it'll be fine? Or did you get some of that? Or, or do you really think they really were, had a, any kind of idea what they were getting into? And, uh, again, I appreciate you taking the call and look forward to watching and uh, watching the team grow this year. Thanks a lot. Hey, hey Greg, thank you for that question. Um, you know what? Again, I'm going to state it again. With so many new guys, um, you know, from, from – all the walks of, 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 of the land, you know, Juco, junior college players, grad transfers, um, just going into this mix with Creighton, most of them, since we only had two returning guys, really one that played, because D. Burke never played, you know, in that rivalry, just Thor. And sometimes words can't can't really explain the, um, you know, how the atmosphere is going to be, the competitiveness. And, you know, I think we were taken aback a little bit early in the game. And once we settled in, it was a little too late. But but everyone can see in that second half how we really want to play. We want to play with pace, you know, and all those good things, shoot, shoot some threes and run and, and, and defend and really just play physical and, and get after it. You know, it took us a while to get started, and and once they threw that first haymaker, we we, we didn't reply, we didn't respond the right way, and again, it's a learning process for all of us. Thor was pretty good. The one guy who kind of experienced it a year ago, he was four or five from three-point range for him. He had three rebounds, did a nice job and a start for you. Another guy that may be starting to show signs, Coach, is Mate. Kind of feel like maybe that stroke's about to land in there. He's just too good a shooter to have this go on all season long. You know, absolutely. And and, and as a sh- as a former shooter, well, I thought I was a shooter, but <laughs> as, a, as a former, former uh, you know, sh- shooter, I just continue to tell Mate to, to, to shoot or shoot. Keep shooting that basketball, man. Don't hesitate. At times, I'm sure you all can see it because as a staff, you know, we get a, a little frustrated with with Mate passing up a couple open shots, you know, for a shot fake one dribble pull up. Uh, but he's going to get there. He His numbers speak for it speaks for themselves. And, you know, it's just going to take a little time. He's playing with, again, 11 new guys. How's he? How's he on the defensive end? I think he, we all knew this is a guy that can probably shoot it pretty well. How's he doing on the other end of the floor? You know what? Getting so much better. Has you he, know, in practice, he's playing against those our our, our guards mm-hmm. that. that other opponents can't keep those guys out the paint so every day he's getting to battle he's battle tested every day he's tested by you know because we try to we try to defend and switch some of the things that we can um and and you know what as long as he keeps the ball in front of him 
Mate is going to be fine. He's one of those smart IQ guys. You mentioned Deshaun. He, I thought he had a really good tournament in the Caymans. Didn't shoot it so well against Creighton the other day, but y- you know it's going to be in there. He's a guy that can go get you some points. Oh, 100%. D. D- Burke, he, he steps up when, when the time is needed. Um, he stepped up and got us a huge win our last game in the Caymans uh, in a huge way, made some big shots. Uh, we just for D. Burke, his issue is going to be control what you can control and also um, defensively just staying locked in. Don't gamble as much, which it gives the coaching staff an out to make a substitution. So I'm telling him, don't give us those opportunities. Stay solid as you, as, 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 poss- as, you, as possibly can and, you know, just play within the offense. We're back on a Monday Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. And as we do each Monday during the college football season, a time to check in with Adam Rittenberg of ESPN.com. And Adam, the the dust has settled. The regular season in the books, the conference championship games in the books, and the playoff committee flips LSU and Ohio State with their last ballot. Did that surprise you? You know, a little bit because, I mean, they had flipped them before, and it clearly was very close throughout. But I thought when they moved Ohio State back to one and Ohio State had that impressive win over Michigan, which, you know, again, more impressive than LSU over A&M, who wasn't ranked. But then I think the performances in the conference championship game maybe just put them at ease with having LSU at one. You know, LSU had had more uh, wins against high-level opponents, I thought, than Ohio State. Um, it's very close, though, and I think the, the thing they needed to see um, that uh, LSU could play defense, and they wanted this committee really wanted to see completion, Greg, in terms of how your team looked. And LSU had had some issues defensively, but they looked really good the last couple of games against Texas A&M, and then obviously Georgia. And so I think that put the committee at ease with, you know what, this team deserves to be number one, a little bit ahead of Ohio State, which also a very complete team, but one that you know had a few struggles in the final few games. It's amazing how this worked out because we thought we might have a, a real log jam for the four spot, but it kind of plays itself out because Utah loses, Oklahoma wins. The committee acted like it was pretty tight between Oklahoma and Georgia. You buying that? <laughs> I, I just I, when I saw Rob Mullen say that, I, I just started laughing. I, I don't know how it, how what, what about Georgia after that performance would lead you to even consider them being uh, in the playoff. I mean, it, it, it does. I, I kind of wonder if Wisconsin had come into the Big Ten championship game with only one loss and then lost to Ohio State, maybe they would have been uh, really in consideration. But to me, uh, you know, Oklahoma, I know Oklahoma is not a dominant team, and clearly there's a gap between the top three and number four. But after seeing what LSU did to Georgia, you want to consider that team for the playoff? <laughs> I just don't understand that at all. I, I didn't buy that, no. All right, the the, uh, the bowl games are set. You have gone out on that limb, way out on that limb, to make some predictions about all the bowl matchups. Give me a couple that really excite you. Give me a couple that you're really looking forward to, outside the playoff ones, which we always are going to look forward to. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, actually, as I was doing this, I do this every Sunday where I don't take a lot of time and sort of um, – immediately uh, immediately pick the games and don't know who's going to be playing and the coaching changes and all that. But it was, I, did, I just liked a lot of these matchups. Even some of the early games, you look at um, uh, Chris Peterson's final game at Washington, at least as the head coach, will be against his former team in Boise State in the Las Vegas Bowl. So that'll be a lot of fun with so many connections on those two coaching staffs. And then, you know, as we get closer towards the playoff, I mean, the, the Cheez-It Bowl, which was a lot of fun for those of us who watched last year, you got Washington State and Air Force. 
that should be a fun matchup. You know, that game had nine interceptions last year, <laughs> only two touchdowns. Maybe that'll be uh, flipped this year. I think uh, you know, Iowa and USC in the Holiday Bowl is interesting. You got one of the nation's best passing offenses in USC going out against a really good passing defense in Iowa. You know, with Clay Helton coming back as the USC coach, this will be his first game since they've confirmed that he's coming back to the Trojans. You know, that interests me. Uh, I think the uh, Rose Bowl always, but uh, I think Wisconsin and Oregon, you know, in terms of two offensive lines, two programs that are really priding themselves on their offensive line play, you know, that, that, that should be a, a fun one in, in Pasadena. And, uh, you know, I'm just looking at some of the other matchups here. Um, uh, you know, I think Arizona State and, and Florida State, we'll see what type of Florida State team shows up. Utah and, and Texas in the Alamo Bowl. Alamo Bowl is typically one of the better uh, non-New you know, Year's Six Bowls. And you have Utah, which has to be devastated, falling all the way from the playoff most likely to the Alamo Bowl. Uh, but then they go up against the Texas team that had a disappointing season. So who's going to show up? For that game, that's always such a big factor is who's motivated and who's not going into these you know, non-championship bowl games. The last one I'll mention, speaking of that, is Alabama. For the first time, not in the playoffs and not in the BCS championship game, they're in the, um, in the Citrus Bowl against Michigan, which has its own set of disappointment after the Ohio State loss. So who, who comes out to play? Who sits out for the NFL draft? It could happen on both sides. And can Jim Harbaugh you know, salvage the end of the season with, uh, with a win over Nick Saban, or does Alabama – your role against the Wolverine. Well, give me your, give me your thoughts about Memphis getting the group of five bid. Are you okay with that? And then Coach Norvell getting the Florida State job. How about that marriage? Yeah, I think an obvious choice for Memphis, having won the conference championship. You know, they were the highest-ranked group of five team going in. And then they you know, beat Cincinnati two weeks in a row, which isn't easy to do. Luke Fickle does a really nice job with the Bearcats program. So you know, I think there were some good contenders, certainly Boise State. You know, they were dominant in their, in their win in the Mountain West Championship. Appalachian State with you know, Eli Drinkwitz going out of Missouri. Uh, as their new coach, they were really good in the Sun Belt title game. But I, I was perfectly fine with Memphis uh, going to the Cotton Bowl. And I think Mike Norvell is going to be a great hire for Florida State. You know, he's a guy that has been on the head coaching radar now for several years. He was at Memphis a lot longer than a lot of us thought he would be, you know, with his offensive acumen and certainly the winning that he was able to create there in Memphis. And so, you know, now Florida State gets a guy that I really think, in terms of young play callers, offensive type head coaches, uh, Mike Norvell, in my mind, is right up there with Lincoln Riley. I think he, think they're going to be really impressed with what they have in Tallahassee going forward. And Adam, we live in a world where Lane Kiffin gets another shot at a big time job. Were you surprised Ole Miss pulled the trigger with him? No, you know, in learning more about you know Ole Miss and and and, and again, you, you always hire opposites. And you know, Matt Luke was a Ole Miss guy, but kind of under understated, under the radar. A lot of people you probably wouldn't recognize Matt Luke walking down the street, and they let him go somewhat surprisingly. I think you do that when you want to bring in somebody of note. And Lane Kiffin, you know, love him or hate him, people are going to pay attention to him. And his, his press conference earlier today, you certainly had uh, some some interesting moments. His arrival in Oxford last night. Uh, I don't know if you saw the video where uh, a guy uh, passes baby to Lane Kiffin and then taking the baby back, you know, told Lane, you, you might want to get a burner phone while you're here. So, you know, they are, they're all in on the Lane trade in Oxford. <laughs> and and, and with, with nothing else, it's going to be an interesting ride because, you know, Lane Kiffin can call plays. And he did a really good job at Florida Atlantic uh, in terms of their offenses and getting championships there. Now he's back in a league that he knows. Uh, he's going to be trolling everybody. He's going to be recruiting up a storm. 
he's going to put together a big-time coaching staff, and, and we'll just see how successful he can be because he's stepping into the division with Alabama, still Alabama. LSU is uh, playing at a much higher level now, and, and, and there's a lot of other good coaches. So it, it'll be a, a fun ride for the lane train in Oxford. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, okay, Florida State goes less than two years with Taggart. Arkansas goes less than two years with Morris. How about Arkansas's higher uh, going to the Georgia tree to get a guy? Yeah, that was a – I mean, as surprising as Ole Miss's firing of Matt Luke was, I think it was more surprising that Arkansas ended up with Sam Pittman. You know, that was a name that we really hadn't heard a whole lot. I know there were some early conversations. You know, Arkansas wanted Lane Kiffin. They wanted some uh, other coaches. And I think, um, you know, ultimately they, they ended up with a guy who wants them. You know, Sam Pittman is an Arkansas guy. You know, he, this is sort of a dream job for him. He wasn't on the radar for very many other head coaching positions. But, you know, he's a personality. I think as people get to know him, uh, they'll, they'll enjoy his, his, uh, his enthusiasm. He's a great recruiter. I just think there's question marks about him as a head coach because he hasn't done it at this level before. So, um, you know, it's definitely a big loss for Georgia. And he, he put together one of the more talented offensive lines in, in the country at Georgia, did a really nice job at Arkansas previous to that. But can he uh, enter this new role, this much more visible role, and, and kind of handle everything that comes with it. That is kind of one of those things that remains to be seen, but definitely a surprising hire for the Razorbacks. Very good. Well, Adam, we appreciate it. Love the prediction, Cotton. We'll see how you do when we add them all up here in about a month. Enjoy the rest of your week. Yeah, go easy on me. I appreciate it. Thanks.